0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about the recent mayor's race in St. Louis, the outcome there. We're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about the undertone, the undercurrent of racial dialogue that unfolded. While that election was taking place, while the campaign was taking place, this of course is an election year here in the city of Detroit and race is sort of off there in the distance. I think looking at us uh, asking whether it's going to be part of the conversation here in Detroit. We're going to take a look at St. Louis as a way to sort of maybe forecast some of the things we might be talking about here Uh, while we are electing the next mayor of this city. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. But first, Republicans who back a plan to overhaul federal health care policy received what seemed to be pretty bad news this week from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office. The Budget Office says the plan would eventually take insurance away from $24 million. Americans. At the same time, Republican House leaders said they were encouraged by the report because it said that we'll be able to cut more than $300 billion from the deficit. And so, of course, the debate in Washington continues along those two lines. But the real question is how will this affect real everyday people, especially? people in states that voted for President Donald Trump. By many reports, the people who would be most negatively affected by the change to our health care system are working class and poor Americans in states like Michigan, for instance, that supported Donald Trump. That's where we want to Begin our conversation this morning talking about the people who will be most affected if the plan that is on the table in the House of Representatives right now were to pass there, pass the Senate, and get the president's signature. Who would suffer? who would lose their health care uh, coverage who would be who would lose the tax credits that uh, they've gotten from the affordable care act joining me now to talk about this is Jessica Contreras she's a reporter at the Washington post uh, recently wrote an article about uh, this very subject uh, it's titled in a place of need an unhealthy contradiction they are poor Sick and voted for Trump, what will happen to them without Obamacare? Jessica Contrera, welcome to Detroit today.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So uh, your article is about uh, a, a small town in West Virginia called Northbrook. Uh West Virginia, of course, is one of the states that voted for Donald Trump. It's also a very poor state, part of uh, the Appalachian region of this nation. Talk about what you found when you went there and, and looked at what health care looks like and what it might look like if uh, these changes to the Affordable Care Act were to take place.
1: Sure. So I wanted to go to a place that had been greatly changed by Obamacare, Um, and there are states like West Virginia all over the country, Um, but one of the interesting things about West Virginia specifically is that it expanded Medicaid as many states did. Um, And what that means is that before 2013, when this went into place, if you were someone in West Virginia and you didn't have dependent children or you didn't have a disability, there really was no Medicaid for you. You couldn't sign up. Um, And what changed when Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act was put into place was that anybody who is under 138% of the federal poverty line, so that's about $16,000 a year, a little more than that, um, anybody who, who makes less than that qualifies for Medicaid. So what that meant in this place that I went to, which was called Tug River Health Clinic um, in Northwark, West Virginia, was that of the, the five clinics that Tug River had, you know they used to have maybe 5,000 some patients on Medicaid before the ACA. Now they have more than 12,000 and they just really are feeling very uncertain about what's going to happen to those patients. Are they going to lose their coverage? Will they keep coming to the clinic? A lot of them have made a lot of progress in their health. Um, like you mentioned, it, it's quite a, uh, a poor place, which often means that it's an unhealthy place um, where people are suffering from you know things that can be treated like diabetes or high cholesterol. Um, but if they're not treated, they could get worse and worse um, and, and, of course, then lead to um, things that nobody wants to happen. So right. they're just feeling uh, very sort of nervous about not knowing what the plan is going to be and how it will affect their patients.
0: And uh, that nervousness and, and the uncertainty, I think, is the thing that, that is getting lots of people's attention, primarily because Donald Trump, when he was a candidate for the presidency, talked in pretty explicit terms, about wanting to get rid of, repeal uh, the -hmm. Affordable Care Act, not just change it. Uh, This bill in the House goes a long way toward that goal. It's almost Mm -hmm. as if the folks in places like North Fork, uh, West Virginia, maybe weren't paying uh, close attention to, to what was happening or didn't quite understand what the consequences would look like.
1: Uh, sure. That's certainly true for, for some people. I met some people who just didn't pay that much uh, you know, attention to the specifics of something like that. But I did also meet quite a few people who said, you know, look, I need a job and Trump is going to, you know, the regulations that he will take back on the, the coal industry, which is the main thing that supports this area. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be more coal jobs. And if I have a coal job, then I don't need Medicaid. I can get insurance from that company. And so it's more important to me to vote based on jobs than it is to Based on healthcare,
0: and and the the people at the clinic, do they believe, for instance, that that will will pan out as well? That 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 jobs somehow will uh, will 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 provide the kind of care that people are going to need once they once they lose this uh, this Medicaid expansion.
1: Um, I, you know they're, they're really not sure again um, the, the one yeah, the woman that I spent a lot of time with she's a nurse practitioner her father is a coal miner and he has seen um, in that area some things picking up lately and it's giving people some hope you know what she doesn't know is how long that will last they this is a place that has seen um, you know the booms and busts of coal for so, years and years um, and you know it's just not something that's going to be that reliable to them yeah. um, so there's just a lot of uncertainty on all levels there
0: yeah uh, this is Detroit today on 1019 WDET I'm Steven Henderson my guest is Jessica Contreras she's a reporter with the Washington Post recently wrote an article called In a Place of Need an Unhealthy Contradiction they are poor sick and voted for Trump what will happen to them without obamacare the article is about the changes that are on the table in the house of representatives right now for the affordable care act a pairing back of the medicaid expansion that that covered many people who did not previously have health insurance a reconfiguration of the tax credits and things to uh, to benefit younger, healthier people a little more than older, sicker people. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. What do you think about the things that they're talking about in the House of Representatives, the things they're talking about doing to change the Affordable Care Act? And what effect do you think it will have on you? Are you a person who voted for Donald Trump? knowing full well that this was one of the things he wanted to do? Are you someone who benefited from uh, the Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act, and uh, not worried about whether that changes because you think you might get a job? West Virginia, uh, where Jessica Contrera wrote her story, is one of the states that voted for Donald Trump. So is Michigan, uh, very much on the strength of working class voters from places like Macomb County who uh, who believed that Donald Trump would do better by them in the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what do they think about uh, the changes? Uh, Jessica, I i am curious uh, if you ran across anybody in West Virginia who said they were maybe having a change of heart about uh, having voted for Donald Trump.
1: You know, um, I, I didn't actually find anybody who was feeling that yet. People, I, I think really in a similar way to people were feeling at the beginning of 2009, people are feeling helpful. They want to give, um, you know, they want to give him a chance. Um, they want to See what's going to happen, and I think we also need to remember, um, and and this is something I talk to people in Washington about all the time, is that most of these people aren't sitting there, you know, watching the news nonstop, reading every latest update. Um, You know, they're they're busy trying to take care of their health, trying to take care of their jobs, so they're feeling hopeful, um, and I think that that might last for a while. And um, you know, certainly anybody who works at the clinic wants them to have those hopes fulfilled, um, but. At the end of the day, no matter what happens with this plan, you know, the nurse the practitioner I spent time with will get up every day and she'll go and take care of these people because that's her job.
0: Right. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation. Tell us what you think about what the House of Representatives is thinking about doing to the Affordable Care Act. Uh, will that affect you? Will that affect the way you think about uh, the vote that you cast in November for either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or another candidate? Uh, what? How does that play? in your calculus. Again, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag DetroitToday, and we will work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Jessica, I'm curious if you can give us a sense, uh, a sort of deeper sense of this area of the country. I began my career as a reporter uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, which is not terribly far from there. Uh, I'm somewhat familiar with that part of, of the world. My memory is that it is very different from places like Detroit, where I work now, places like Washington, D.C. Uh, this is a place where people work really hard. Uh, they work really long hours in very dangerous conditions. Uh, but there is a sort of uh, abiding sense of... Uh, hope, I guess, is maybe the word that that I might use. That they they always feel like there's a possibility that things will get better, uh, even if it's uh, in the form of something like uh, a, a new coal job, which is which is dangerous uh, and and uh, somewhat somewhat fleeting, somewhat subject to uh, economic upturns and downturns. Uh, give us a sense of what people there are feeling about uh, their place in in the country right now?
1: Certainly, that's a great question. Um, you know, McDowell County, where North Fork is at, is a place that is constantly sort of um, profiled by people like me, right? to journalists come from big cities and they say, look, at, I know how poor it is, how right. sick it is. I mean, the, it had, truly has the lowest life expectancy in the country. Um, um, somebody who had lived there all their lives told me, oh, yeah, we're, you know, coming last place in all the good things and first place in all the bad yeah. things, yeah. Um, and and while they recognize that that is true, there is still, like you mentioned, this sort of sense of, um, but we're better than you say that we are. Um, you know, we are nicer. We work harder. We're kind, You know, kinder. We take care of each other. Um, and, and every single person that I met um, uh, was so eager to tell me about, you know, the people who are their neighbors, the people who take care of them, um, and they believe in the community that they've built, they they do believe that things are will get better because they believe in the strength of the people there. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, you know, while people will say, "Oh, sure, whatever," politician says. He will bring he or she will bring coal back. as the one who's going to win? Uh-huh. I think they're also just skeptical of how outsiders feel about them in in general. They know that it, many many people said if we're going to come back, if we're going to become stronger, we have to figure out you know what it is that we as a community can offer to the world. And I think there are many people who are working very hard at that.
0: Yeah, uh, this of course used to be a part of the world that was pretty heavily democratic, uh, and and West Virginia still has. Uh, a governor who is uh, at least nominally a, a a democrat what what's your sense of what uh, what the what caused the democratic party to lose these folks i mean the democratic party t- tends to stand for at least in name uh, upward mobility and opportunity mm-hmm. uh, taking care of people uh, who aren't able to necessarily take care of themselves. What is it? What's the disconnect, in your view, between them and the Democratic Party right now?
1: Yeah, that's a really tough question. Um, you know, the McDowell County is so interesting because it voted blue. You know, I'm looking at a map and I just keep going back and back and it's blue and blue all the way. And they even voted for for. Um, uh, they voted, I believe, in 2008 for Barack Obama. you mm-hmm. um, would have to double-check that. But, you know, it's blue throughout its history. Um, and, and I guess the, the one thing there in this specific place, I certainly can't speak for the Democratic Party across the country, but in McDowell County, it really just comes down to coal. Um, you know, they that is their industry. That is what, you know, has made it possible for the nurse practitioner's father that I, you know, met for him to provide for his family sure. his whole life, and and so many people that's the case. Not even necessarily just those who are coal miners. You know, it's the restaurants next to the coal mines, sure. it's, um, you know, the uh, the grocery store nearby. Um, you know, this that that is what drove this place. And so when it was clear that um, you know Barack Obama was going to put into place regulations that were going to. Um, changed the way the coal industry worked, and that person pretty much the, <laughs> became the enemy for them. Um, and, and many people uh, shared that with me. Right. So,
0: Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation. Let's take a quick call here. John, on the east side, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Thank you. So uh-huh. I have a question about the, the, the people that I keep hearing that they're going to lose their health insurance. Isn't it more likely that they're going to opt out and not paying the premiums.
0: Uh, great question, John. Uh, Jessica Contreras. So, and then,
2: yeah. and on top of that, is this also going to be the people that would not be drawing on the health system? But let's say they cut themselves at home, then they are going to have to go to the hospital, and who's going to pay for it now that they opted out of the insurance?
0: Right, uh, John. Uh, both really great questions, uh, Jessica Contreras. I'll give you. a a crack at uh, answering those.
1: Sure, yeah. So there, there are two different things that we're talking about here. Um, you certainly uh, with this new plan, uh, there's no longer a mandate, right, that you have to have insurance. So some people will be choosing, I'm actually not going to pay for that, I'm going to use my money elsewhere. Um, other people, especially people who qualify for something like Medicaid, which is public insurance, um, it's not going to be a choice for them. You know, and at some point, it, you know, we're going to change the qualifications for. Right now, anybody who makes under 138 percent of the poverty line in mo- in many states, um, they get Medicaid, and that will change. So fewer pe- you know, it's going to be up to the states um, to figure out sort of who's going to stay on and who's not. In a state like West Virginia um, that is really struggling financially, um, from what people told me, it seems like almost certain that there's going to need to be a fewer number of people on that public insurance. So some people aren't going to be necessary. they're not opting out, they're going to be told, you don't get this anymore. Right. And that was um, just the, the people that I was spending time with in West Virginia who are on Medicaid. Yeah.
0: Okay, Jessica Contrera, reporter with The Washington Post. Thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today. Thank you so much.
1: Have a good one. Absolutely.
0: All right, when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation about the Affordable Care Act replacement plan. And now we're going to focus on how it will affect people right here in Michigan. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019. We'll be right back on Detroit Today.
3: Your city, your town, your voice.
0: 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. You know, it is time for WDET's spring fundraiser. It's going on right now. And as always, when we hit that magic number, and that magic number this time is $275,000, when we raise that much money, we will stop. The fundraiser will stop interrupting programs to ask you to help support WDET. Think of the programming here that you value. Think of all of the things that you get throughout the day from WDET and NPR. The idea is that you want to keep those things in your life. You want to help support those things. So go to WDET.org. Either renew your membership or sign up new. We love New members here at WDET. And again, when we hit that magic number of $275,000... We will stop interrupting programming. All right, now uh, now we have more information from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office about the effects of the GOP health care plan. What do we know about what it will mean for people here in Michigan? What will this look like in a state that, A, voted for Donald Trump uh, to be president of the United States, but also as a state that took advantage of the Affordable Care Act's Medicaid expansion and has seen a growth, a tremendous growth in the number of people who are covered by that. What will happen if the planets on the table in the House of Representatives now passes, passes the Senate and gets the president's signature? Joining me to talk about that is Marianne Udall-Phillips. She is the director of the Center for Healthcare Research and Transformation. Welcome back to the program. Great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, so let's just start with with uh, that that question i just asked what will what will this look like in michigan and how will that be different from other states uh, of course uh, not every state took advantage of the ACA the way we did uh, and and not every state has the same demographics that we do here in in Michigan So talk about what this looks like locally
3: right so uh, you're absolutely right uh, in many ways Michigan would be even more affected by these changes than many other states. every state will be affected and based upon the analysis from the Congressional Budget Office, We know that in every state there will be more people who are uninsured under this proposal than there are under the Affordable Care Act, but that does have big impacts in Michigan. So we actually have taken a look at the population who have received coverage under the Affordable Care Act. Let's start with a Medicaid population. We have about 660,000 people right now who have gotten coverage under the Affordable Care Act for Medicaid. That's Mm -hmm. in the Healthy Michigan Plan, and we expect that if this... Act were to pass that over time, uh, just about all of those people would lose that coverage. Yeah. Um, Because the state would have to, could keep them on, but they'd have to pay much higher costs than they're paying right now. Yeah. So that's huge. And
0: one of the complaints that I remember hearing about the Medicaid expansion when it was passed as part of the ACA was that eventually it would shift. Those costs are more of the cost to the states. Uh, Up up front, uh, the the program had a lot of federal dollars coming to states to help pay for that. And over time, states were going to be asked to be paying more and more of that. It seems like the thing that now is on the table, the idea that's now on the table, exacerbates that problem by pushing more of the burden onto states sooner.
3: That's absolutely right. So under the Affordable Care Act, The federal government would have continued to pay 90% of the cost of people who got the Medicaid expansion, the Healthy Michigan population, and that was going to be on an ongoing basis. What this proposal would do would be to change that starting in 2020, so that the federal government would pay what is the old traditional match rate for Michigan, which is about 64, 65 percent right now. Right. So that's a mu- a big transfer of cost to the state. And the other thing this proposal does is it actually caps the amount that Medicaid growth could could be for everybody in the Medicaid program, not just the people who got healthy Michigan, and that would also be a big transfer in cost to the state. So even people under the old Medicaid program could start to lose coverage or have fewer services covered in this proposal. Yeah.
0: And if you're talking about taking or making it more difficult, I guess, for the state to afford the number of people it has on Medicaid, what happens? What happens if you're if you're not covered anymore by that? Do we go essentially back to the status quo before ACA, where people didn't have health insurance and lots more people didn't have health insurance and they would use uh, the parts of the medical uh, system uh, that, that they needed on an emergency basis?
3: Right, right. So this is, of course, the huge problem because for people who lose coverage uh, under Medicaid, Even though there are some tax credits in this proposal to help people buy coverage on the individual market, those tax credits in this proposal are not based on income. They're based on age. And it is possible that there could be some young people who could buy coverage on the individual market with those tax credits, but many of those. Uh, who have Medicaid today, would not be able to afford coverage, and they would end up being uninsured. That's certainly what the Congressional Budget Office said and all other analysts. And that does mean that we would go back to a system where hospitals are required to take care of anybody who comes into the emergency room, but people wouldn't be getting preventive care or ongoing treatment for chronic disease uh, or all the other things would would help them to stabilize their health care so there would be more uncompensated care in hospitals. Uh, And frankly, fewer people who could be productive citizens. We know from economic analyses of the impact of the Medicaid expansion on Michigan that were done by the Institute for Health Policy and Innovation at at the University of Michigan. It's been a big economic boost for the state of Michigan in many ways, not just because of health care, but because people are now working. Because they don't have to worry about health care costs. Right,
0: right. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Marianne Udow-Phillips, Director of the Center for Health Care Research and Transformation. We are talking about the plans in the House of Representatives to reconfigure the Affordable Care Act, to pare back the Medicaid expansion that was part of the ACA, to reconfigure the marketplaces that were established Uh, by the ACA. What is that going to look like here in the state of Michigan? And we want to hear from you. Do you feel like your health coverage will change as a result of what the House is talking about? Are you worried that it will change? Or maybe you want your health care to change. Maybe you're one of the people who has seen these dramatic increases in premiums over the last few years, and you feel like uh, this new plan might give you some relief. Give us a call uh, 313 577-1019 577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We will work your comments into the conversation. Tell us what you think about this debate in Washington uh, about health care. How will it affect you here in Michigan? Uh, Marion, I want to ask you about uh, this this question of the marketplaces that were established uh, by the ACA, they have not been they have not been wildly successful, and I think it's it's fair to argue that they've been the least successful part of the ACA. One of the problems that we've seen is that insurers are less enthusiastic about participating in that marketplace uh, because there aren't enough there aren't enough diverse groups of people. In those marketplaces, you've got older, sicker people in heavier numbers in those marketplaces than 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 was anticipated. Talk about what the changes in Washington would do to those marketplaces. Would they make that? Would they make those marketplaces more appealing to more insurers, or would we see? Would we continue to see people stepping back, just withdrawing from it?
3: Yeah, so you know, so a couple of things because I want to distinguish a little bit about the effects of the marketplace in Michigan. Unlike many states, actually the marketplace in Michigan has been pretty it's successful. It's actually working. Yeah. That's we had true. we've had even this year we had ten issuers, we had hundred plans for people across the state to choose from, and the rates have been reasonable and people have gotten eighty-seven percent of those in Michigan got a tax credit to make that coverage affordable. So here it's worked reasonably well. Uh, under this proposal Uh, There are a lot of concerns that the elements that the health plans, that the insurers needed to stay in the market really aren't there. So, you know, the key for a health plan to get a good mix of people is to have healthy and sick people in the market. That's what this individual mandate, which I know people really hate, but the idea behind it was to make sure we had healthy and sick people. And really, it is the healthy people that cross-subsidize the sick people, because we all do get sick at some point, right? Just at different times. Uh, So... People didn't like that mandate, and this this act, this bill, would, in fact, eliminate that mandate, but it would replace it with an incentive or sort of a a carrot-stick approach to getting coverage, and that incentive would be to say people would have to have continuous coverage. If they had a gap in coverage of more than 63 days, the insurer could charge them a surcharge on the premium of 30%. Wow. Now what what the concern about that is is that the people who are most likely to pay that surcharge frankly are the people who are who need coverage who are sick. Yeah. If you are healthy and you look at that and say oh I've been out of coverage for 2 months which is not that uncommon really in this particular market you would say I'm not gonna I'm gonna take my chances. I'm not gonna pay that surcharge. So actually this has the potential to make the work those risk polls worse and to cause more insurers to leave the market and for premiums to go up. And in fact the Congressional Budget Office office
0: estimates that premiums would go up considerably, at least in the first few years. Yeah. Uh, 313-577-1019, again, is that number to join the conversation. Talk about what you think will happen to your health coverage if the House plan uh, to tinker with the Affordable Care Act uh, were to pass there, pass the Senate and get the president's signature. Uh, Would you lose coverage? Would you you lose tax credits? Uh, Or maybe you're in the position... Uh, of some people that this would be better for you again three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number you can also go to the wdet facebook page or go to twitter and hashtag detroit today we'll try to work your comments into the conversation cheryl in monroe welcome to detroit today hello hi how are you
2: good um really concerned about this issue my daughter who suffers from schizophrenia um has that because it just happened to her. She did not go out and do drugs and mess up her brain. And so mental health is a real issue. Somehow it needs to be separated from people who do do drugs and they're addicted. Um, they all need help. But the ones who have these mental illnesses seem to get mixed up in the fact that, you know, some people think they did it to themselves. Mm-hmm. So too bad for you. But Right now, my daughter is extremely stable. She's contributing to society. But if they take away um, any kind of um, Medicaid for her, she is going to be left out. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen to her? Right. I terrible. cannot let her wind up on the streets. And um, I don't think she should be ignored and let to suffer like
0: that. Right. Cheryl, thank you very much for calling and uh, sharing your story. Uh, and Udall-Phillips, I think that's the fear that, that lots of people have is disruption. It's that uh, we, we've moved to a place where a lot of people who used to fear not having access to health care have it. This disruption could push them back uh, into that uncertainty, that uh, space of uncertainty.
3: Uh, absolutely. And also one of the things that's not been as well reported about what's included in this proposal, uh, this House Republican proposal, uh, is that they would eliminate the requirement for Medicaid to cover what's known as essential benefits. And that is part of what has provided mental health parity to um, to people all across the country. And it's really unclear whether mental health benefits would, in fact, be covered to the way they are under Medicaid today. So that is a big concern.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jimmy on Twitter says, GOP wants us to accept that a $300 billion savings justifies throwing millions of people off health care. That's the choice. You know, we've talked about this before on the show, this, this balance between cost and and access uh, the ACA, I think, was you know a huge leap forward in trying to push the 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 balance there back toward uh, back toward access and and worry less about cost. But what the House GOP is doing, it's sort of unclear whether they're pushing it back toward lowering costs. I mean, it does say that we would save that three hundred billion, but it doesn't account for how much more it would cost us to have people without insurance in the numbers that they would.
3: Right. That's right. And, and again, I think we really have to talk about what we mean when we talk about cost and savings, right? So under this proposal, this house Republican proposal, they would repeal virtually all the taxes that were included in the affordable care act to pay for things like the tax credits and the Medicaid expansion and things like that. Uh, and, uh, where they get the savings, you know, that savings that we're talking about is, frankly, by reducing the number of people who are covered and the scope of coverage in the Medicaid program. Yeah. And those tax savings, you know, it is a different way of distributing dollars, right? In the Affordable Care Act, the, t- the tax structure is uh, what most people would consider to be a progressive tax structure so that people of higher income, over $200,000 income, pay more than people of lower income. In what and so in repealing all of those taxes, it is predominantly benefiting higher income people uh, in this country. Uh, and in fact, we did some estimates that about 150,000 households in Michigan would save on those a significant amount on those tax repeals. It does not do much
0: for the working class, for lower income people, for the middle class. Yeah, uh, let's take one more call here, Jeff in Gross Point. Welcome to Detroit today.
2: Hey, good morning, Stephen,
0: and your guests. I'm wondering, does this bill at all uh, rectify the fact that so many states are not involved into the state exchanges? I mean, have they done anything as far as trying to get more states involved into the state exchanges? And as far as, you know, the money goes, bottom line with this bill is that it's really got that let them die effect. Yeah, Jeff when you're not offering those coverages like that, you know they know they're going to die, and
2: really that number that they're putting out really could be just about doubled because a lot of those folks
0: are getting other per se, you know, state and national sure. programs. Yeah, Jeff, uh, great question and and great comment, uh, Marianne Udall Phillips. What what does this what does this bill do to try to encourage? exchange creation, which was a big problem uh, with the ACA.
3: Right. It, it really do- doesn't do anything to encourage the exchanges, um, because under this bill, the tax credit people get would able to be used either on or off the exchange. Under the Affordable Care Act, you could only use that tax credit on the exchange. Uh, and it actually will make, because, because it repeals the types of health plans that uh, health plans have to offer, it will actually make it harder for consumers to compare health plans. Or there'll be much more variety in the health plans, which could mean for some people they can get a lower cost with lower benefits health plan. It'll just make it harder for people to compare. So uh, the exchanges become much less relevant in this, uh, in this proposal.
0: Yeah. Okay. Marianne Udall-Phillips, Director of the Center for Healthcare Research and Transformation. Thanks, as always, for being here on Detroit Today.
3: Great to be here. Thanks, Steve.
0: All right. Up next, we're going to talk about last week's controversial mayoral primary in the city of St. Louis and how modern issues of race and class shaped that election. We have an election coming up here in the city of Detroit this year. Is it going to look like what happened in St. Louis? Stay with us on Detroit Today.